Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Printed Circuit Podcast, where we will discuss trends, challenges, and opportunities across the printed circuit engineering industry. I'm your host, Steph Chavez. In this episode, we'll focus on library and data management. And here to join me in this discussion is Andre Mosley, Marketing Development Specialist at Siemens EDA. Thanks for being on the podcast again, Andre. Thanks for uh, having me, Steph. I'm uh, happy to share my experiences on the subject. It's near and dear to my heart. Awesome. So, Andre, tell me, um, before we start talking about the best practices, can you help me define the foundation of electronics, electronic library and design data management? It's a good question. First off, there's some misclassification in the industry. Sometimes we'll say library or electronic libraries, and that it kind of merges in all the technologies. But really, when we're talking about ECAD libraries, typically we're talking about the symbols, the logical symbols, the physical cells, and the, and the ECAD mappings that you're managing. But as design has evolved, as you're aware, there's a lot more models that are associated to the quote-unquote library. So other models may include things like the physical 3D models for ECAD and MCAT analysis, uh, schematic DRC models that'll drive tools like Validate, signal integrity models that will require things like IBIS, manufacturing models, so for our Valor VPL project, and more importantly, the component information. I also kind of call that as a library model. That's where it's you know managing the component information, the supply chain data that will come from sources like SupplyFrame. And then from the library, you don't jump right to design. There's actually kind of an interim piece. And so the library can also include things like your IP, things like managed blocks. And as you collect the library and the IP, then you can create your different designs. So those designs, when you're talking about data management, need to have references to those libraries and those components and those models that you're managing and even the the IP. And this may also include system level design. So it's not just a single board, but multiple designs within a system. And you have to manage all of that in addition to the enterprise connectivity. So when I go off and create a library part, it may have a corporate part number all the way up to a design where I'm managing the part numbers, the descriptions, the revisions, and all of this different data along with the security model. So, you know, it's not just archiving a zip file. It's not just, uh, you know, looking at uh, one aspect, but it's managing all of that data. And so from your experience, Steph, what have you seen in your industry's experience in terms of managing the library and design data? There's so much detail that goes into a library and the library is the foundation of your design because you can design the perfect design, the perfect PCB. But when it comes to assembly, if your library land pattern is incorrect, whether it's a pinout incorrect or it's regarding IPC standards for assembly, if it's incorrect, you're in a world of hurt. And the problem is, is that if you're not mindful of maintaining your library, you can be re, uh, reproducing the same errors over and over again. And I've seen that in my career. So you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so much detail that goes into the library. And I can attest, you know, over uh, my time of designing over three decades, a library can make or break a company. And depending on how you maintain that library, especially when you think of it at an enterprise level where you're sharing across the enterprise. So there's a lot of detail that that, that library has definitely got to be solid and, and accurate and, and correct. So, but Andre, tell me what doesn't work today when it comes to library uh, design and data management? Because as, as we just initially unfolded, which is just the tip of the iceberg, what doesn't work today from your perspective when it comes to library and, uh, design data management? So as you mentioned previously, right, when you're building a library, you may have to build to specific specifications. And the biggest problem is just searching for data, the availability of this information. And so you know, if I'm a designer and I'm looking for a corporate part, where do I go? So you may have an internal business system that's managing the ECAD library with just the models. And so it may have a part number. 
But then I have to go to either an internal database or maybe even an external database to get details on that manufacturing part number that is associated to, right? And this is aligns with the some of the previous podcasts we did where we were talking about knowledge, intelligence, and optimization. And the first piece is knowledge. I have no knowledge. I have no detail of this information that I want to search on. Again, it's it's not just the library, but it could be the IP blocks that I want to reuse. It could be the designs that we've done before and I might want to use them again. Where do I go to get this information? And so some of the challenges is not just searching for that data, but there's all these different disconnected business systems. And it could be internal or it could be external. So again, I could be looking for all this great data, but I don't know if it exists in-house and do I have to go outside to go get it? And so Another thing that doesn't work today is that our customers are very, very tech savvy and they've had to come up with these custom solutions, right? So there's no standards out there. There's no standard way to model a part number. There's no standard way to manage a design, right? And a lot of people have come up with their own custom solutions. And because we work with a heavy tech industry where these people are super smart and they create their own tools, the industry itself hasn't started to develop these tools. And so You've got data inconsistency, data incompatibility, and a lot of our customers are running into challenges where the tools that they work on don't interoperate together, right? Because they don't speak the same language, let alone have the same security model. So it's it's always a problem that the industry really hasn't been pushed to solve. So again, in, in your 30-year experience, I know you've run into this, and I'm sure you probably work with a bunch of custom tools in-house or even develop some. When it comes to like commonality or industry standard, when it comes to like library parts or building components in a library, IPC is, is a great start for a foundation. But I can tell you, not every corporation or every company or enterprise follows IPC standards. They're a guideline on how to build things. But large corporations that have been around for, you know, at least 50 years or, or more, especially in MRO, they have their own lessons learned and their own way of how they do that. And depending from business unit to business unit, especially as uh, these mill arrows, when they buy other corporations and absorb them into their collective, their library patterns, main our, uh, our land patterns may not be interchangeable because they follow this best practice for that business unit and not best practice for this other business unit. And then you would think, well, why not use, you know, IBC, which is the common industry best practice. But like I said, lessons learned come into play. And it can be a hot mess. And I've seen it. I've seen where I've consulted in from one cube to another cube to another cube from different engineers doing different projects, all of them are using their own custom library. And you can't change, not even not even just land pattern and layout. I'm talking about like symbols that are not built on, on grid correctly. So you can't, it's just a nightmare to deal with. So yeah, it, it's definitely a hot mess when you, when you look at it in general. You know, Andres, when I think about this, we know what the problems can be, but what is the solution or what is the best practice that PC designers uh, should implement, you know, from your perspective? You got it. So again, it aligns with what you just said here, right? If you've got a bunch of users going off and creating their own independent libraries, you're not going to have consistency. There's no standards. There's no naming convention. And we talked about earlier, if I, if I want to go find something, how am I going to find it if I don't know where to look for it and I don't know what it's named? And so that's the first thing is that you, you got to kind of develop these standards on naming conventions. And it would be good to kind of go after something like an IPC standard or even the data model. What's the classification of the parts? What are the properties that need to be on those parts? And right now, there's just so many data models out there in the industry, right? You could go to IHS and get a data model. You could go to Silicon Expert and get a data model. And of course, we offer a fantastic data model in supply frame. And so that's where 
you need to kind of normalize that. And it's not just a customer specifically, but it's the industry. And we look at it internally here at Siemens. How can we provide you with an industry-leading data model so that you can organize your libraries and not just use them internally, but let's think about other people that want to provide resources to you. What if I wanted to go download a part from the web? If it uses a totally different data model and classification, how am I supposed to consume that? And so that's why I'm, I'm anxious, you know, you know, working within Siemens, we have the opportunity to build these kind of standards and naming conventions and data models and best practices and, and bring those to customers. And so that's one of the items. It's also, of course, the customers need to be working with a version control system that understands the granularity of the data. You know more than anyone, change is evident. It's going to happen. And so I may create an element today, but it's going to evolve over time. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe um, we're adding new models. As an engineer, I need to be able to trust that data that I find, but also track all the changes so that I can know whether or not I want to incorporate that into my design. And so version compatibility is paramount. And again, along with the standards, the naming convention, the versioning, you've got metadata that needs to be, again, at that granularity of the element that you're managing. So for the library, I needed to understand what models are there, looking at the quality of that model. Was it verified? Who's used it before? And so that rolls up the chain so that I can have this, this wonderful digital thread and digital twin, right? The library provides me the capability of the digital twin to do the simulations, the model analysis, and the design allows me to kind of have that connectivity also through that digital thread. So when I connect from one business system to another, I can't have all of these different standards. I can't have all of these different file types. You know, I don't want to use an ASCII bomb. Today, it's it's amazing to me. We use an ASCII bill of material to, to transmit data over to a PLM. We can put a man on the moon, but we can't make it easier to transmit data. It's 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 kind of kind of crazy to me. So I'm sure, Steph, you have examples of trying to connect multiple business systems and try to write your own code to get there. It's difficult. When I think of the commonality, even if you don't speak the same language, IPC is a great start. Like I said, you know, the IPC 7351 spec, which is the generic requirements for surface mountain through hole land pattern guidelines. That's a great starting point. But I will tell you, my last 13 years in Mill Arrow, not everyone follows that. Then it becomes difficult when you're talking about reuse and how do you leverage reuse and everyone seems to reinvent the wheel or they use whichever is in their ecosystem. So it, it's, it's tough when you think about what will work or what might work and how do you get around it and you end up doing a lot of workarounds. So we're speaking of the workarounds. Walk me through how you think this might work in real life when we talk about library and data management. You hit the nail on the head. It's really tough for, for libraries to have a true standard because not everyone can work on that standard. But in real life, perfect should not be the enemy of good. And what I need is something to at least start with. I need quality. I need a naming convention and something that I could potentially reuse. And so we are working on kind of normalizing some of those standards to help customers so that they can communicate and collaborate. And so at a minimum, I know I can share and be almost perfect with component data, right? So again, you look at what we're offering in the supply chain space with all of that rich metadata. If we can come up with a normalized data model, it's going to make users easier to co collaborate, and right? And that's not just internally within an organization, but it's also external with their partners because it's not, you know, every day do I create all the library elements. I need to contract out to somebody to create that. Well, guess what? We have to have a normalized data model so that we can do that. And so that's what I know that we're working on. So in real life, we're working on that sort of thing on the, on the supply chain to, again, foster that knowledge, that intelligence and optimization. 
And then you can think of, you know, from a design perspective, instead of just archiving and throwing stuff in a zip and throwing it over the wall to another business system, we're looking at how we can collect that data, understand what's in that data set, normalize where it goes, and then also manage the the optimal communication. So things like a bill of material, no longer just sending an XLS file that I then have to map up different columns. That's archaic. We need to speak the same language. A bill of material that comes from any one of our tools needs to be able to go into, let's say, a PLM like Team Center seamlessly. There should not be any sort of mapping. It should just understand. And so we're definitely working on that. And, and I think, you know, going back to the library, because I think there's a lot of opportunity here. You can imagine I'm an organization. You know, I create library parts and I use a specific specification. Let's just say in the future, Siemens comes up with this wonderful electronic data model that's used across the industry. And you can imagine a real world scenario where I go to search for parts and I, I, let's say I don't find it in my local library, but based on the search criteria that I've made, because I'm using a standardized data model, I can now extend that search to the rest of the world. It could be in an internal business system, or it could even be a, a system like a part quest or supply frame to say, Hey, supply frame, is there a part that meets these same criteria? So if I put type in operational temperature, it will look for a part that actually looks for that operational temperature, but I don't have to map those different data models because I might want to call it OP temp. I want that to just happen. So then I can extend that search off into that community of models and I could get component information from supply frame. I could get 3D models, IBIS models, symbols and cells from PartQuest. And they would be based on a specification that I could then download and consume. And I would trust the quality. I would be able to manage the access in that entire environment. And again, like you said earlier, you're building the foundation, right, that everything else is built off. I can't build great designs unless I have a great library. So that is kind of a real-world scenario that I see that we're really kind of working on. Because we've got, again, the resources that see different perspectives. It's not just the symbols and cells in the library. It's the component data. It's the supply chain data. It's the model data. All of that then builds that foundation on the design. So what do you see in terms of uh, some additional ways that we can make this better? The first thing I think of with solidifying the foundation is what type of roadblocks do you tend to run into or that we run into and, and that I have run into? And I would tell you, from my perspective, the biggest roadblock of setting a solid foundation is internal culture. And what I mean by that is the mindset of legacy team members that have been around for 20, 30 40 years and many in Mill Arrow, it's like 40 yeah, years. Yeah, I was going to say, you're in Mill Arrow, so that's 30, 40 years. <laughs> they tend to have a mindset that they have been doing successfully for the last 30 to 40 years. And the initial response is, well, it's working fine. There's no need to change. But from a perspective of advancing as our tools and technology advances and the horsepower in our tools, that may be okay, but maybe you're only at optimal, you're best at 65% optimization of your current process, you could be so much better had you optimized your process. And, you know, when it comes to the, what kind of roadblocks you see, and when I think of, of solidifying that foundation, it's typically the roadblocks that hamper enterprises or companies to evolve um, because they don't want to jeopardize the current success they're having. Absolutely. I equate it to my dad still using his flip phone. Right. He can, he, he, can exactly. still make, he can still make phone calls, but I'm like, dad, we need to meet up at this location. And he's like looking at the yellow pages or trying to get out his paper map to figure out how to get there. And so, hey, it's always worked for me. I can always make phone calls, but we have evolved. As I brought up, you know, the roadblocks to hamper the foundation when you're solidifying the library and getting it optimized. 
What do you see as roadblocks to implementing the kind of best practice we're talking about? Well, the first one I would say is education, right? So, so just like you said, you know, we've been doing this same process for 30 years. Well, guess what? Things evolve. Don't be blockbuster in a Netflix world, right? Things change. So even though today that was the best process we developed, the world has evolved and there's so many additional things that you could be optimizing within your process. So education. So look out, look out there in the industry. Don't just trust us, but look and see all of the, the, the ways that tools can can better be integrated. Because, again, you only have your own perspective. Another thing is to prioritize data management, right? We think that data management is archiving a zip and throwing it over the wall. We think that uh, integration at libraries is at least being able to synchronize a part number. But it's so much more than that if you really want to take advantage of the digitalization of what's going on. You want a digital thread and a digital twin you better treat data management seriously, right? And make it a priority, not only for yourself, but within your organization. And then start to look at standardization. Again, you may have been doing things 30 years ago the the same way, but look into standards. You'll start to see, specifically from a Siemens perspective, where we're trying to keep it simple for customers because we can do almost anything, but now we're trying to do the best thing. And so we're collecting a lot of these best practices and, and a lot of that has to do with Data management, right? What should my data model be? How should I manage my, manage my bills of material? What are the type of design files that I need to move over into an enterprise system like a team center? What are the derived files that we can transmit and how do I do that so that we can have better data integration? And another thing that I saw one customer do that I really liked when we were doing early intellectual property within Expedition, one of my customers, they asked me, they said, Hey, Andre, how can we track who created the the managed IP and how often it was used. And I said, oh, yeah, we can generate these reports. And I said, well, why do you want to do that? And they said, you know what? I want to start to reward my engineers because they are starting to save me money. And unless I actually reward them, there may not be a, an incentive to use something that someone else has created, right? I'm sure you're familiar with the, you know, not in my house or, you know, not designed here type of scenario because engineers would rather start from zero. But if we start to have them reuse these elements and we can calculate the amount of time that's saved, we can foster this, this environment, this culture of improvement, right? And to, to start to work with best practices at the library level and the design level. And I think that's one of the things that could really overcome, you know, some of these roadblocks. You're absolutely right. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard double E's uh, say, well, I didn't design that circuit, so I don't trust it and I'm going to do it myself. They're just reinventing the wheel, whether it's a circuit, whether it's a, a library part that they, they want to use. They'd rather go out and I'm going to go find a different one. I don't trust what we have or it's not even trust. They just they want to do something different. Then they end up taking a lot more time and chewing up a lot more of the budget. Don't even get me started down that rabbit hole of reuse uh, because we, we are so in general in the industry, we are so not utilizing as a whole or taking advantage of reuse on a global scale when it comes to how fast we can design product and, and take lessons learned and implement it. And, and I would tell you as a designer, where it really pays off is for that double E down in the lab when he's actually testing the board to bring it up and making sure everything's copacetic with it. That's where you truly see the, the horsepower in the reuse because it's known good uh, circuits, validated and tested. That's already known. That very unknown variable is eliminated. And you can save a lot of time and a lot of effort in doing so. And then it does help when you, especially in Miller, when you talk about the, during the certification process, because you are using existing parts that have been certified or existing circuitry. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's just a successful win-win when you think about how many times 
you're winning over. So, Steph, it sounds like that's going to be our next podcast. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We, yeah, dude, that's, that's another rabbit. So, uh, how do you think someone could overcome these roadblocks within their organization? We talked about some of those items. I think, again, it's just, you know, to summarize, it was that education. It was prioritizing data management, trying to integrate your other business systems, and, and just researching it to see what, what's out there. And, again, keep your eyes open. Be flexible. Again, perfect should not be the enemy of good. So even though it may not be a perfect library like we talked about before with IPC standards, at least it gives me a representation because I can I can give you a 3D model, an IBIS model, a DRC model, and you could still reuse that element, right? It may not be perfect, but I have something I can reuse and we can start to evolve from there uh, and get the, the benefits of data management. Amazing. This has been an amazing topic. And like you said, we can go on and on and, yes. <laughs> and, you know, we'll go way above, you know, 20, 30 minutes in discussion. So we'll save that for a follow-up episode. Definitely. You know, I think we outlined, you know, the best practices when it comes to library and data management. Thanks again, Andre, for your valuable insight. Oh my God, you're killing it, man. Keep it up. <laughs> and I, I love what you're doing. Well, thanks for having me, Steph. This has always been fun. It's always fun. Oh yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, again, to the audience, uh, tune into our next episode where we continue to talk about PCB design best practices with a focus on design automation.